when I got a call about a month ago from Joyce. And she said, Dan, you know what would make my birthday extra, extra special? I said, what? She said, to hear my son preach on my birthday. And I said, you're the matriarch of Joyview Church. Whatever Joyce wants, Joyce gets. So Greg Demet, would you please welcome Greg Demet. Thank you, Dan. Actually, for months she'd been talking about me preaching on Sunday. And I, I said, uh, did you happen to ever say anything to Dan about that? And uh, Oh, okay, that's the, that's the part. It is a thrill to be here and good to see everyone here. Um, just enjoy the, the service. You know, one, one of the things I'd always wanted to get was a good contemporary set of music in church and so happy for the Greens to have brought that here, and uh, I'm glad Mom talked to you all on the stand, and just uh, everyone that's here, it's good to be here. If we were uh, lighting Advent candles, this would be the pink Sunday candle, and uh, as, as was mentioned, you know, probably Jesus wasn't born at this time, but everybody in the church area tended to celebrate the middle of winter, uh, usually with crazy drunken parties for quite a while. They said, well, we need to switch it and celebrate something better, so we're going to celebrate Jesus' birth. So we need to get you in the right frame of mind. And so Advent was really originally called Winter Lent, and it was a time of giving up and sacrifice and all the things that you hear about for Lent was the same thing for uh, winter Lent, to get you in the right mood to celebrate the right way, uh, the birth of, of Jesus. But the pink candle was the break. You could have a Sunday off, have a celebration, have a good time on that day, eat meat, uh, all the things that they weren't allowed to do during that time. So so this was the, the break. So celebrations are good on uh, on this Sunday. And a lot of folks put names on the different candles. I think the first candle is the Hope candle and the next candle is the peace candle and the pink candle is the joy candle so that's pretty fitting that on mom's birthday we have the the joy candle and uh, my brother alan said he doesn't think anyone's ever lived better up to their name than mom has because we certainly think of mom as a uh, joyful joyful person and so um it's good to be here. And, you know, when we knew the 90th birthday, actually from her 80th birthday on, we've been uh, saying, well, what are we going to do to celebrate 90? Because on the 80th birthday, we all made a point of being at our Thanksgiving celebration. And I thought that was a time Mom really liked having us all there for Thanksgiving. But I think especially when she realized that her birthday was on a Sunday for the 90th, she said, no, I want to celebrate on my birthday and have our family at church on that Sunday. And so this is a, a really big deal for mom to, to have family here, family uh, with our, ch- our church family and our, and our birth family, and to have us all together on this day. So it's it, it's really big deal. Uh, birthdays are, or Christmas time, it's always a time of remembrance. Uh, we remember things that we did as kids. 
uh, on, our, on our birthday. This goes way back into Kevin's a little baby, so sometime around 1962 maybe. Um, family celebrating a uh, birthday. Uh, the Demet boys, we would count down the 12 days to Christmas. Even they're supposed to be the 12 days after Christmas. We'd count it down and uh, try to wake everybody up singing the 12 days of Christmas at the Christmas tree. What I remember from Troy View was the Christmas baskets. You remember the Christmas candy baskets that we would get with one good piece of chocolate <laughs> in each one. And I, I think you can maybe tell when times got more prosperous because all of a sudden there were two pieces of chocolate in there. But it used to be one. And then I remember growing a little older and being part of the group of portioning out the candy into the boxes to, uh, to hand out to the kids. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of memories together. So today I want to look at Second uh, Timothy chapter th- 1. And to me, a pretty obvious uh, scripture to, to use on this day. And um, you know, the reason's obvious. We also want to do justice to the scripture and, and let God's word uh, speak to us as well. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love, and of self-discipline. I think it's pretty easy to, to see the, why I would think of the, this verse on this day. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. That, that Paul speaking to young Timothy, who's now in some type of ministry or evangelistic effort, and Paul is writing to encourage him, and it reminds him of his heritage of faith. And, and his heritage of faith didn't just begin with, with, with Jesus, but it's the, the Jewish faith as well. Uh, when, when Paul says he worships as his ancestors did, his ancestors were, were the, the children of Abraham, the, the descendants of Abraham. And so he, he feels good about calling back to the, to the life of faith. And I think it's fun to think about the the life of faith. Our, our heritage in the Church of God goes back a long ways. In the in the Brush Creek Cemetery, there's five generations of my family buried in that cemetery. In the Lawrenceville uh, Cemetery, there's four generations of of our family, and all of them involved in the Church of God uh, during that time. So that's that's uh, a heritage of faith. Uh, that we that we think of, we think of mom's uh, faith. So he talks about he remembers the faith of the grandmother and the and the and the mother and the 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 faith of my mom. And we think of mom in connection to Troyview Church and remembrances. And you know, some remembrances are, I guess, interesting, odd. Sunday school picnic. 
Mom won the contest for the woman with the smallest waist. <laughs> Does that seem weird? And she'd had at least three boys by that point in time. But that was that was the contest there at the church. Um, but you know, the, the the whole thing of being part of of stepping out in faith um, to to start the Troyview Church and. Uh, so here's something to, to boggle minds. My mom and dad, your grandparents, were younger than all the grandkids except Ella and Cole Coleman when they started the Troyview Church. It just boggles my mind. In, the tw- in their 20s, they, they saw the need to have a church here and, and made the effort. And I guess it's okay to say this. Uh, uh, Elaine's parents, Viv and Ruth, and my mom and dad gave 20% of their income to support the church at the beginning. That's how important it was to them to have, um, to have a church here. And uh, so you, you think of things that I don't think I ever had mom as a Sunday school t- teacher. So I, I don't have that that remembers. Maybe you remember, but this doesn't seem like it worked out that way. But, but always teaching. Uh, people would ask my dad, who's the best speaker in the family? Because dad did a lot of public speaking. And then uh, Alan and Kevin and I were all in the ministry and uh, in speaking positions. And uh, dad would always say, mom, because actions speak louder than words. <laughs> and, uh, and the characteristic that I would highlight for mom is, is being an accepting person. And, and that's just, you know, as, as I listen to the to the testimonies and the remembrances, how many times that, that came up as, as an accepting person. And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And I, and I truly see that as a characteristic of the Troy View Church, of being an accepting group. This is a picture, I guess, probably taken at the dedication. I don't think the concrete slab is done yet at that point in time. Um, so 1961... I counted, there's about right at 60 people there, and it stayed 60 for about six, seven, eight years, and then suddenly jumped to 90. And and it's very unusual for any kind of church to to jump in, in a big number. Usually churches kind of work like families and you add one person at a time or another, but it's really hard for an entire group to come into the church. But suddenly an entire group came into the church and we see the Lucas family and the Supernzer family and all came into the church at one time and we went from being a church of 60 to 90, something that probably not one in 50 churches is able to do. To have a, a new group come in and a group and assimilate and become a, a, a people and a united people and a, and a body of Christ. That, that is an amazing thing. And I, I think that's a, just a wonderful characteristic of the church. You know, the, from the very beginning, Troyview's slogan was a friendly church. And I just I think that's a neat thing. And there was, there was another jump when the, when the Greens came in. and all Churches don't very often do that. And to be able to to open up leadership, open up fellowship, and really grow in that way is a big deal. And it it really shows something about acceptance 
that new people can come in and really be part of now a new body, a new body that's here. So that's, uh, to me, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But, but faith is more than just memories. You know, we see the, 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 the word there that the faith that lived in your mother and in your grandmother and now lives, now lives in you. The faith that now lives in you. And we're talking about a living faith. We're not changing pages. There we go. And faith that now lives, lives in you. Faith always implies action. Faith is the dynamic that there is more to life than what meets the eye. And we, we, we've moved into an age where, you know, we, sometimes uh, you'll hear people c- complain that, that we're in a postmodern age and uh, that people don't believe in truth anymore. But the thing about that, quote, modern age was that we only believed in the truth that we could prove. It was all about what could be demonstrated in the laboratory. What, what can we demonstrate again? What can we make happen? What can we measure? That's why it's called an empirical view of things. Things you can measure and look at. And, and, and because of that, much of the modern age was, in a sense, atheistic. Because you can't measure God. And so while many people would still say they believe in God, he couldn't fit into that scientific age in that way. But we moved into a time where we realized that life is more than what meets the eye. That, that you cannot explain the dynamics that happen when people get together. And even if you look at what hormones do and, and different, different chemical reactions in the body and things going on. There's always more than meets the eye. That's, that's what faith is about. That as much as we can see and what we can measure, we believe beyond that. And I believe that every person works out their, their faith. Every person needs to uh, to to work out out their faith and 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 then it impacts us in in, in so many different ways. Uh, I mentioned Kevin. I, said, I want to quote something I learned from Kevin a long time ago. It, it used to be that they would ask people why they go to church, and you'd ask people why they go to church, and they'd say, "Well, you know, this crisis happened, and you know, I trusted in God, or this happened, and you know." Usually, they looked at a point where something difficult happened in their life and they began going to church and so the conventional wisdom was well people go to the church because they got problems <laughs> then somebody thought to ask people why they don't go to church and they'd say well i used to go to church and then this happened I used to go to church and then this happened and and what became apparent is actually people make changes when things happen and, and sometimes your changes move people toward God and seeking faith. And sometimes it causes them to, to question faith. 
And, and it's, it can happen in, in each and every person. And, and, and so each person needs to work out, work out faith. And, and I, I enjoy seeing how it works out, you know, keeping track of my own family. Uh, so many different church involvements and expressions of faith and the, and the places you are in, in faith. Um, that's, that's, I, I enjoy uh, being able to, uh, to see that. Each one of us works out faith. Each one of us does. And we all have different perspectives. You know, uh, you know my kids grew up in a, in a preacher's house. You know, you, different experiences all the time. A uh, long time ago, we're driving up from Louisiana to Illinois, and, um, and I, Karen and I were disagreeing about something. It was either like where we needed to turn or, or just something we saw outside and explain it or whatever it was. And, and, uh, and uh, Daniel said something along the, you know, just kind of provoking the situation. Well, does the dad know more than you do? You know? <laughs> and, then, and then Daniel said, well, Dad knows more about God than you do because he's a preacher. <laughs> what a troublemaker! <laughs> and, it, and it's certainly not true. You know, we we all are working things out, and uh, I would never say I know more about God than uh, than Karen. Again, kind of like the actions speak louder than than words. But you know that seeing how faith works out in your parents. And then figuring out, how do I live out faith in my life? And, and we need to live. We need to, to, to live. And I, and I think it's important to emphasize that, that as in Christian faith, we see faith as first exercised by Jesus. Uh, that, that Jesus, before he went to the cross, he said, not my will, but thine be done. The, the, the book of Hebrews says trusting that God has the power to raise him from the dead. Jesus went, went to the cross. You know, that, that, that he is to us an example of faith. And, and, and in all aspects of living out Christian faith, I think it's so important to think about Jesus. Because Jesus upsets the norms that everyone tells us. He set the, upset the norms of the political world at his time. He upset the norms of the religious world at its time. And, you know, the government might, might tell us something either way. Our churches might tell us something. But Jesus shakes it up. And Jesus was seen more as a friend of ordinary people than he was of the religious establishment. So it's, it's so important that faith... For us, in Christian perspective, was first exemplified to us by Jesus as he acted in faith, even in going to the cross on our behalf, in creating a people for him. My dad used to say, if you haven't met Dwayne Demet, you haven't missed much. If you haven't met Jesus, you've missed everything. So it's so important to, to see our faith is based in Jesus. And then as, as Paul writes these words to Timothy, he challenges him to, to rekindle, rekindle that faith. You know, Paul doesn't assume that once you get started, everything just happens automatically. Once you get started, 
the road just keeps going. But, but we need to, to rekindle our faith. We need to, to refresh our faith. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about ministry is the opportunity to see faith show up again and again in people's lives, especially in lives that haven't seen it before. You know, I, I went to seminary after Bible college trying to decide what, what direction to go, and, and, and I, I love learning, and I love theology, and I love doctrine, but seeing things worked out in people and in action, uh, that, that was exciting to me and, and very uh, refreshing to me. I just wanted to as close as, as Paul did with this, this passage as well. Um, he said that, that God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. Paul didn't write these words to make us ashamed of being afraid. He wrote those words because he knows that we can be afraid. Uh, sometimes we, we need to be afraid. Fear does things for us, but fear can't drive us. But we shouldn't be shamed, think something's wrong with us if we have, have fear. But understand that this is what God has given to us. A spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. That connection with God, living by a life of love, what drives us, what shows faith, stepping out in actions of love, and self-discipline, which is a very interesting word. I started studying that, and there could be a whole other sermon in itself. But it really works back, and this is just the very last point we're going to look at, it works back to not so much what we think of self-discipline as, as choosing a way of life and living by that way of life. Uh, today, we use the word culture a lot. We establish a culture. The way people think things are to be. Uh, the way that we act in a setting. I, I work in, besides pastoring a church, I work in, in construction. I'm an environmentalist for uh, American Electric Power. Uh, they work very hard to have a culture of safety, uh, to keep people alive. And uh, we think about our culture, the things that we do to make life work. The Bible actually called this wisdom, living by the, the wisdom of, of God. And, and just to bring this all around, um, he, when we, we talk about establishing, a, the interesting thing about culture is you can't even see it unless you violate it. Because if it's truly your culture, you just can't imagine doing anything else. Or anyone doing anything other than that. It's, it's that ingrained to you. So you don't really even see culture until somebody violates it. And, and, and when I think of my family and, and my family heritage, one of the things I, I think of is, 
is the culture that was established. I put a picture here on an Easter Sunday. I'm a little baby and mom's taking me to church. And it would have shocked us if we didn't go to church on a Sunday or a Sunday night or a Wednesday. (laughs) Even if the Wizard of Oz is on, we can't miss a Sunday night. Because that was, that was the culture. It, it was ingrained that this was the life that was around us. And, and, and I honestly can say I never saw my parents or my grandparents violate our culture. That it was just always around us, always there, always present. That this is the way we live. And we live as people who trust in God, we act in faith on God. We live our lives this way. We just can't imagine that there's anything else. And so Paul writing to young Timothy, he calls to mind, you've lived this life. You've been there. You know what it does for you. You can count on it. You experience it. You know you have it. I am so thankful for the culture that grew up in family, reinforced in in my home church, reinforced by brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, all through, through my life. This is the way of life. This is life of faith. To trust in the life that Jesus has given to us. So we encourage you and challenge each one of us to work out our faith. Fear and trembling is one word to use. It's a vital thing. Believe it. Work it out. Thank you. Child of God.
bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.